in any type of healthcare organization, the integration of third-party apps can make you or break you and how well that digital solution will integrate. Granted, with enough time and money, you can make many things work. But when you're doing a digital transformation in a matter of months, which is really the pace which most of us are going now, versus years of kind of playing with ROI and you know fit and interfaces, excuse, et cetera, you know, you really need to be pretty clear that it's gonna integrate very easily. Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, your leading source for insights and best practices on the digital transformation of healthcare. Join host Patty Patmanaban, CEO of Demo Consulting and best-selling author of Healthcare Digital Transformation, how consumerism, technology, and pandemic are accelerating the future in conversation with healthcare and technology leaders. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast. It is my great privilege and honor to introduce my special guest today, Ray Lowe, SVP and CIO of Altamad in uh, California. Ray, thank you so much for setting aside the time and welcome to the show. Patty, thank you for including me today. Thank you so much for that. So, Ray, why don't we jump in and uh, maybe for the benefit of our listeners, if you tell us a little bit about Altamad Health and the patient populations that you serve. Sure, I'd be delighted to. So I'm Raymond Lowe, I'm the CIO and Senior Vice President for Ultimate Health Services. I've been with the organization for three years and in this time period, we actually have completed a, a complete digital overhaul of the enterprise, uh, including technology, applications, patient engagements. More importantly, who Ultimate is, is we actually serve over 300,000 patients at over 50 locations in the greater Los Angeles and Orange County areas with over 1 million visits per year. We provide services to the Medicaid underserved populations that are primarily Latino, multi-ethnic, and many of those are 200% below the poverty level and 40% are pediatrics. Some of our services include primary care services, women's services, pediatrics, HIV AIDS outreach, we also have programs for all-inclusive care of the elderly. And we also have two other companies. One is the Ultimate Health Network, which is a restricted Knox key, again, focusing on Medicaid insurance product, as well as a managed care organization known as Altura. Thank you for that background. Now, I am obviously very, very interested in uh, learning about the complete digital overhaul that you referred to, and that uh, will be the focus of our conversation. Before we jump into the digital transformation journey at Altamed, I just wanted to touch on one thing. I understand uh, Altamed is also a pioneer in the use of the patient-centered medical home concept, the PCMH concept. Could you care to talk a little bit about uh, that experience and how that has worked for your population? Sure. So, you know, I just stated uh, PCMH or patient-centered medical home. Ultimate actually started this in 2011, so we have a bit of time working on this. We started with our pediatrics populations in joint cooperation with Children's Hospital Los Angeles, and we also utilized the PCMH approach on our senior services. At its core, what PCMH is, it's a way of coordinating care for our patients. It also means adjusting our processes and care efforts to treat the whole person. Within our PACE program, you know, we have nurses, 
that manage patients, you know, ensuring they receive regular treatments, required medical equipment, special referrals, and other type of clinically related activities. But we also provide PTOT, dental, and socializations to help them vibrant. And we expand this even further, including interdisciplinary care, which is our social aspects, and social determinants of health. So for our PACE seniors, you know, our teams work to address both the clinical, the social, the interdisciplinary, and any type of SCOH things that can impact them and their overall well-being. So you've been practicing this since 2011, so you would have been one of the pioneers in the concept. So I imagine that you have a wealth of data and you're uh, utilizing that to drive improved outcomes for your population. And we certainly want to get into that as well. So you mentioned, Ray, that you're now coming out of a a three-year digital transformation, digital overhaul, as you mentioned it. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What were the top priority areas for that program? And uh, what, what kind of programs are currently operational at Ultimate? Yeah, so, you know, our priority is really providing quality care without exception. And from a digital health perspective, that really means patient-centric care where, when, and how they want it. You know, Ultimate provides care for essential workers. Many of them, again, are, are low-income and underserved communities. And this is a patient population that has been inadvertently left behind, I would say, due to the digital divide that does exist out there. And so, as we plan our strategy, you know, first and foremost, we want to have a mobile first strategy that provides care with flexible walls, both inside and outside of our brick and mortar facilities. The second thing that we do with our digital health strategy is that we leverage our epic my chart. We call it my ultimate portal for patient interaction and messaging. We went live with epic in October of 2019 in a 10 month implementation cycle. And the interesting thing is we were barely five months from our go live when the pandemic hit. And the digital solutions that we built, telehealth, uh, remote patient monitoring, patient engagement strategies, those are all centered around my ultimate and my the my chart of Epic so that we can have the rich clinical information and stay in good contact with our patients around there. You also got to think in March, of last year, if we draw that as, as a starting date, we had on our roadmap, the virtual health, the televisits in RPM, and my diet partner and I, we were evaluating who would be possible candidates that we should be looking at. And for instance, on the RPM side, you have Vivify, Lavongo, Vitaltech, McKesson, and other ones that we were having conversations with, but we had not selected one. And then even in terms of the televideo, we're making uh, and having uh, conversations with American Well, BidYO, Cisco Extended Care, and others really to find out what would be the right solution for the organization. So in our digital journey, right, we, we learned quickly, again, due to the pandemic, that we had to be able to deliver a televideo platform around that. The third area we're looking at is transitions of care and managing our patients in the hospitals, beyond our hospitals and case management. You know, this is all about data, data interchange, and being able to mine the data so that we can actually have timely data and we can do the proper clinical interventions. A fourth area we're looking at would be in our women's services and their pregnancy journeys. You know, what is the type of uh, handheld app that can help on the mother-baby journey, be it baby scripts, be it mommy or others, 
that help our pregnant moms as they're going through their different trimesters and their wellness checks. And then again, continuing expanding our care beyond the walls for our PACE participants. The pandemic you know, has really reduced the amount of participants that can actually come to our PACE centers. And so we're looking at how do we continue to have these seniors be vibrant, receive the same amount of care in a technology supported method and often you're dealing now with a population that may not be the most technically savvy, but we want to make sure that they are not afraid of the technology, know how to use it. And lastly, again, looking at the SDOH aspects on the care and helping our patients access the services. Well, that sounds like a really comprehensive uh, digital transformation roadmap, Ray. You cover pretty much everything that would be considered a high impact area. So you talked about telehealth, you talked about remote monitoring, and uh, mobile applications for your populations. The question that comes to my mind is, you mentioned that you serve predominantly low-income populations, and you also mentioned that there is the, the digital divide that is out there. So in that context, what kind of unique capabilities or unique enablement do you have to plan for and put in place for your populations to get the same access to care and same quality of care as anyone else. Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head. That's one of our most significant challenges and area that Ultimate strives, which is to be culturally sensitive. Rather, the majority of our patients are Spanish speaking. They may only have a third or fourth grade education. So how do you communicate with them? When you start even at the top, with Epic Systems in Verona, Wisconsin, as we launched our My Ultimate My Chart, our cultural linguistic folks, they we made no go the Spanish translation. And so we worked jointly with Epic to really enrich the Spanish translation so that users could understand it more easily. Again, we are working here in East Los Angeles, a very heavy uh, Latino area, you know, versus folks in Madison that may have more of a Google translation of, of Spanish, but that was that's a big key area around there. The other thing that we're seeing as again in our mobile approach is, you know, there are a lot of folks building apps out there that may work on uh, you know, say an iPhone 10 or or something new, or maybe an iPhone 8. But when you're dealing with the underserved and low income, oftentimes they may not have that latest iOS system. You know, they may have a six, they may have a four it's good enough because they can't afford to get a new iPhone or, or it does the job. You know, with, the, with this patient population, they're making decisions on whether they pay their cellular bill, you know, or whether they're putting, you know, food on the table for them and, and the real decisions they have to make every day in terms of how they spend their valuable dollars. So when we look at the technology solutions, we actually require the language diversity, backward compatibility, you know, on, on different type of iOS systems and ease of use. And you would really be amazed how many folks don't think about that as they're delivering and and, uh, bringing things to market. Wow, that is something that uh, is really counterintuitive, having to plan for backward compatibility. And a lot of us are looking at the next version of the iPhone as opposed to an iPhone that is three or four generations ago. But it's it's a very real problem that you've described. And I think This is what healthcare is all about, making sure that it's inclusive and it serves the needs of all populations, right? You talked about a lot of technology choices here. You've talked in your earlier comments, you talked about all the different uh, platforms that you were considering, the Mongo and uh, so on. 
when you assess your technology partnerships and your technology choices for implementing your digital programs for your population what are you looking for what are the top two or three things that drive your decisions especially as it relates to let's say digital front door tools you know, mobile apps and engaging with your populations yeah so we rely heavily upon epic through either the user groups, what we're seeing in the app orchard. Epic is really so strong at sharing the best practices. We're able to learn from UPMC. We're able to learn from Cleveland Clinic. You know, Kaiser Stanford in terms of their journeys and uh, they make those make that available. So your learning can be faster because they've proven what technologies can work. Speaking more about the app orchard, in any type of healthcare organization, the integration of third-party apps can make you or break you. And how well that digital solution will integrate. Granted, with enough time and money, you can make many things work. But when you're doing a digital transformation in a matter of months, which is really the pace which most of us are going now, versus years of kind of playing with ROI and you know, fit and interfaces, excuse, et cetera, you know, you really need to be pretty clear that it's going to integrate very easily, right? Stacking them together just like Legos so that you can turn something on in a couple of months versus looking at maybe six months or, or eight months. And part of innovation is failing quickly, right? So you can learn around that. And by you know taking that approach, you can easily see the results before you're so committed to a program or to an approach. You know, the other things we're kind of evaluating as well, there's more, Patty, we're looking at, right, is, uh, you know, e-console platforms are, are really becoming very interesting right now in terms of, of how we help our providers. And we're looking also at ambient voice for provider productivity and ease of use. And then on the patient side, again, kind of looking at our elders and some of the other areas is, can we extend tablets out to them? that they'll find that they're easy to use, right? And again, kind of erasing that inherent digital divide so that they can be connected, you know, electronically to Ultimate. One question that comes uh, to mind when you talk about just this range of uh, digital solutions that you're trying to implement is how do they pay for themselves? There is a reimbursement component to it. There's an ROI component to it. And obviously there's a cost component to it for the patients as well in terms of the devices or bandwidth access, a range of other things. How do you go about uh, looking at this from a business case standpoint? You know, that's a great question because, you know, you, you need to look at why are we innovating? You know, what is the business business outcome? You know, there may not always be a financial reason you know, a financial payback. And we look at the quality and and doing what's right by the patient. And so that by extending solutions to them, it's the right thing to do. Honestly, I would say, again, we went live in October of 2019. And before that, if you wanted to come to Ultimed as an essential worker, you'd have to take a day off for you or a loved one. You may have to take multiple buses to come in. You could not auto register, register, et cetera. And you now look now in 2021 in January, and we offer both, you know, telephonic or televideo visits with the ability to bring in language translation services, 
you know, to the mom with the, with that kid that could be sick or somebody with a URI, which is, you know, very prevalent. People are very concerned and able to address those needs. So that's really about doing the right thing for the patient. Because I can't imagine, right? Nobody wants to go into a hospital and nobody really wants to go into a clinic, but yet you still can provide that care for the patient at the right time. So I look at a lot of that ROI is what's the right thing we need to do by the patient? How do we need to do about quality as well? You mentioned reimbursement. That's always a tricky topic because now we're talking about the feds and you know how the CMS guidelines are reimbursing or not reimbursing. And that could somewhat complex. It does affect timing sometimes in terms of what you do introduce for your uh, digital solutions. But I think ultimately keeping what's at the best interest of the patient is where we need to be. And I think the other part of it is when you're implementing, again, you need to understand what is the provider workflow change going to look like and what will the patient look like. You can put in some very cool digital tools, but if it's not adopted, you won't be successful with the outcomes you need. That leads us to obviously the big question, how do you get people to adopt it? And at this point, we're not just talking about patients, but we're also talking about caregivers. What kind right. of training, what kind of enablement do they need? How do you make them change their workflows or their daily patterns and so on? This is not new to you. It, this is a, a universal challenge across all of healthcare. Can you talk about uh, one or two things that uh, you consider as successes in this regard in, in driving adoption? Yeah, so I can use a language and I, I can use a televideo as both example because they're all very new. Again, if we go back to, uh, it was April 8th of 2020, that the CEO came to me and said, he said, give me a video solution. And I'm like, gee whiz, right? We didn't even have anything, you know, instantiated. And then, you know, CMS was dropping their HIPAA requirements. It was making it much more open. You could do FaceTime video, other areas to address it. But we want to make sure we took, you know, a, a still a HIPAA compliant approach so we didn't expose any PHI accidentally or put anybody mm-hmm. in a breach type of position. So we actually selected two, which was uh, Doxy and Doximity, which is widely used in healthcare with an eye towards a long-term solution, which would be integrated with Epic, launching out of Epic, et cetera, around there. It's a change moment, right? We, we got it to work. We created the, the correct flows and templates inside of Epic. We trained the providers, and yet there was a lot of confusion because they really didn't know. And, you know, patients didn't understand, I'm supposed to click here, I'm going into a black room. It was really very challenging, right, in terms of driving the adoption. So... What we did is we reset and we created a digital center of excellence within two of our clinics where they would primarily focus in around the televideo experience, including language and other requirements that we would have so that we got really good at it. And then we were able to share those best practices across the other 200 plus providers um, in Altamed so that it's much more standardized. The other thing I we did as well is From a training perspective, my training team was certainly conducting a lot of distance training, web training as a norm, and we weren't getting the results. And I said, you know, folks, you need to go meet the providers where they are. And we could do Zoom training, WebEx training all day, right? But they're not quite getting it. So we really, you know, double down, triple down on the hand-to-hand training with the folks. They had hours working with them, the clinics, so they're, again, able to be 
much more comfortable, right, with the usage of the tool. Yeah, those are very interesting examples. You talk about innovation. Uh, you, you talked about it a few times, and clearly, you've uh, accomplished quite a bit uh, within a very short time, given the pandemic and everything, and possibly because of the pandemic and the sense of urgency that created around the implementation of some of these programs. There's the other side of driving innovation rapidly. You refer to it uh, in passing when you talked about failing fast and, and learning quickly and moving on. So how do you manage the risks of innovation, especially innovation that comes to you in the form of a solution that's been developed by a digital health startup? And uh, what is your advice uh, to startups who are looking to engage with you and be part of your innovation journey? Yeah, that's a multi-part question, Patty. So I think I'm actually excited, excited in your book is that on from an infrastructure perspective, you know, is is it needs to be such a you need to have a sound foundation in terms that you can go ahead and sprint and look to leverage your technology backbone to deliver these resources. There, you know, there's so many different network hops or data center processing activities hosted solutions that can cause many problems to fail. Technical debt. A lot of technical debt, right? Yeah. Exactly out there. Maybe, maybe we'll talk a little bit about technical debt. And there was quite a bit of technical debt here. And and I remember there, I heard there was this great quote from Warren Buffett, you know, that when the tide goes out, you, you discover who's been swimming naked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You may have heard that one, I've right? Heard that. I've, I've heard that one. <laughs> yeah, I love that quote. And, you know, a lot of folks, I think, that have been ignoring their technology infrastructure, just putting it off, extending the life, they were caught when the when the uh, tide went out. So, you know, that investment of understanding the life cycle and the technology that you're that you're building. Again, we kind of did a almost a wholesale upgrade from our data center to our networks that are happening out there. And, you know, part of that is building, you know, really strong partner relationships. I selected, of course, AT&T and heavily with Cisco NetApp and partnerships with Presidio, Red8 and Connection. And I had to leverage those technology partners and their thought leadership where I had gaps in my own team's ability to deliver. But the net net, some of the parts just delivered superb results. I like having executive briefing sessions. And again, at Cisco, there's a, a gal, Catherine Howe, who's the director of their healthcare. And we had an EBC with her. And I was putting all of the Cisco products in. And, and we went through an exercise where I was actually able to determine for what we wanted to deliver that I had actually made all the right technology choices. And so I was like, okay, turn the afterburners on. We're going to go even faster. And that kind of occurred about at the end of uh, 2019. So that, that was a good, good way to start from a technology perspective. But then you ask me, you know, what do you share to startups? What would you tell them? You know, there's so many great ideas and companies that are out there. I manage the risk by having a joint review of my dad, diet partner, Dr. Eric Lee. You know, he'll look at the clinical expertise and how how the workflow is and and the experience and what is seen. You know, so we're able to assess it from, from a clinical perspective. And I look at it from an overall systems perspective, interoperability, security, how it works in the overall ecosystem whether it's a sound business decision, et cetera, and ideating between the two of us, 
you know, we really ultimately kind of come up with a very solid solution that we're very confident, you know, as we move ahead. But on the startups, I think they need to have a very clear vision of what problem they are trying to solve. I know that some folks say that they will do RPM primarily for diabetes management and that they're going to be moving to a CHF type platform or COPD or other type of chronic disease states. I appreciate that honesty, right? They tell me what they're really good at and where they're going to, so I know where to baseline from. Where I get a little more perplexed is when people, they'll tell you they can do it all, also known as advertising, but not as design. I think is a word they say. That's very disappointing. And then people also underestimate, you know, the integration activities or they don't have good technical resources, right, to make it easy for the health system to ingest the product and start getting results. Because ultimately, you want us to be your evangelist of why this product is the best thing sliced bread. And this is the outcome of what we've been able to achieve by them. Yeah, I think that's great advice uh, to startups. I want to touch on one other topic, uh, Ray. This is to do with the governance model. You mentioned that you have a clinician partner with whom you work very closely in uh, determining how to roll out these programs, what programs to roll out and how to roll them out and what what kind of technology foundation you need to have in place and so on. Can you talk a little bit more about your governance model? What is the governance structure for driving these initiatives? Do you have a board level, C-level approval? How do you prioritize Can you talk a little bit about how do you fund it? How do you prioritize it and implement it? Can you talk a little bit about your governance model? Sure, I'd be happy to. You know, you know the term digital is a very broad term. Right. Yeah, it really is very broad, right? Uh, depending on who you talk to, it means different things. And, you know, fortunately at Ultimate, we, we do have a structured governance process. It's overseed, overseen by our executive governance leadership committee, which I'm a member of. It's basically the C-suite where key decisions are made. But then, you know, I, I look at there's really, you know, four areas that you drill down into. One part of it is the digital engagement or the patient front door, which is your, you know, your website, your social media, your CRM, patient engagement activities. You know, another key area, of course, is going to be your clinical digital, which is tied to your EMR and the related applications and how that's working. Again, we try to leverage as much as we can out of Epic and the MyChart as versus looking at third-party apps that have to bolt on because Epic is very rich. The technical digitization, which you know, many of the hardware vendors also want to talk to you about on the data center and hyperconverged and SD-WAN. Those are managed primarily under my direct review. And then as you look at innovation and disruptive areas, and this is, you know, business strategic oversight with, as I spoke earlier on women health, you know, RPM and how we can leverage other type of e-services. So each of these, you know, four contribute to digital. I may have left out a few other areas that are out there. But it's to me, I kind of like to keep a top 10 list that I review with a CEO so that I stay aligned with the CEO's plans of what we're supposed to be executing. You know, the budgeting and prioritization is an art. You know, there are, there are lots of asks that come up and there are lots of shiny coins that are thrown out there. But again, through maintaining focus on one of those top 10s. And if other things come up, perhaps we can fit them in under a sub-project of one of those top tens. But as you look at something with a significant investment, 
you know, we look at what is the total cost of ownership? What's the ROI and what are the KPIs that we will be achieving and are we going to be achieving those? For a very large investment, say over 10 million, you know, we may bring in outside consulting to help us vet through it. So we really understand how we're going to be achieving those type of KPIs, but it ultimately has to make good business sense, good financial sense, and we really should not be doing technology just for technology purposes. We need to have a strict business outcome to it. Right, that's very comprehensive. We're uh, almost out of time here. I want to ask you just one final question here. If there's one best practice from your experience with digital transformation and ultimate that you would like to share with your peers, what would that be? You know, Patty, I would say this. I mean, I met Ed late in my journey on this. And as I've been able to review your guys' book, it's really good. I mean, thank you. it lays out the steps, the technology, the approach. So I think if you're trying to figure out where and how to go on your digital journey, if you use your book as a reference, it will be very helpful. You know, and the second part of that is, you know, again, you need to have a solid understanding once the solution is implemented that you keep both a provider and a patient-centric view. You cannot keep an IT view because that will ease the adoption and accelerate the overall benefits. Yeah, don't make it an IT project, (laughs) right? That's correct. All right, thank you so much for those kind comments about the book, and I will be sure to pass this on to Ed as well. Well, Ray, I guess we're going to have to leave it there for today. Uh, It's been such a fascinating conversation, and thank you so much for taking the time to share your experience, your insights, your best practices. And I look forward to following all your successes uh, going forward. Thank you. Thank you for including me today. I really enjoyed our time. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can reach us at info at thebigunlock.com with your feedback and questions. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partner, Powbox. Secure email for modern healthcare right out of the box.